welcome to the Pathway Podcast. My name is Sam Speck, and I am the pastor at Pathway Community Church here in Elmhurst, Illinois. I just wanted to welcome you to today's sermon, and my sincere prayer is that this sermon is a blessing and an encouragement to you today, and will be uplifting for your faith and for your walk with Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoy, and please don't hesitate to let us know if there's any way that we can be of service to you. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. So I think it's probably no secret. I think I could probably give you all one guess and you could figure it out why we decided in this season to do a series about rejoicing and thanksgiving, right? Yep, okay, good. All right, everybody knows. Everybody's like, yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up. Okay, good, good. We're all on the same page. That's great. I have to confess, though, that there was a few weeks ago that I felt like Thanksgiving caused me to feel like a terrible Canadian, all right? So if you don't know, I grew up in Canada, from Canada originally. Uh, My mom's American, my dad's Canadian, so I got the sweet old dual citizenship thing going on. And there was a couple weeks ago that, I don't know if you know this, but the second Monday in every October is Canadian Thanksgiving. Okay, so now if you want to celebrate two Thanksgivings, you're more than welcome, okay? You say, Sam, what's the difference between American and Canadian Thanksgiving? I don't know, okay? There was a lot of the same things when we were growing up, except the food was less good, okay? (laughs) I I only know that because I married into a Southern family and I went down and had Southern Thanksgiving food. Way better, all right? (laughs) Changed my world, okay? So uh, that's the only difference... That I know. Otherwise, we do the turkey, we do the ham, we do the family thing, everybody gets together, except it's on a Monday instead of a Thursday. But somebody asked me, okay, okay, we know all that, but why did the Canadians start celebrating Thanksgiving? And that was also met with the question, I don't know, I'm not sure, okay? So just for the the purpose of this week, I did my research, all right? So here you go. Here's everything you wanted to know about Canadian Thanksgiving. The the holiday in Canada is often attributed to two men, okay, two explorers, Martin Frobisher and Samuel de Champlain, okay? Those are the two main explorers who, when they came and explored Canada, had meals of thanksgiving to give thanks to God for protecting them on their voyage and for providing for them food when they arrived there. So those are the two men that are attributed with starting Canadian Thanksgiving, But it wasn't until 1879 that it became an annual holiday. And in 1957 is when it was officially placed on the second Monday in October. Okay? So now you have the history for two Thanksgivings. Martin Frobisher and Samuel de Champlain. Okay? So there you go. And you even got to, if you can get the Canadian-French accent going too, even better for you. People will be like, whoa, look at this person over here. All right? So, but the thing that struck me as interesting as I was reading about the history was some of the things that were said about both Canadian and American Thanksgiving that often I don't think are said enough, aren't said enough by me, especially during this season. So when Canadian Thanksgiving became an official annual holiday in 1957, the Governor General of Canada had this to say, this is a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. So interesting because he's speaking to the foundation on which Canadian Thanksgiving was supposed to be built. It was supposed to be a day of thanksgiving to God. 
for how he's blessed the country of Canada. Interesting, right? Trust me, you look at Canada right now and you have no idea that they, and I, I can say this as a Canadian citizen, there is not much left that is based in the foundation of giving God glory, thanksgiving, praise, anything like that. And it's funny, as soon as I started reading about the American holiday as well, you'll be, you shouldn't be surprised, the same thing started to be said. Actually, Abraham Lincoln said this, thanksgiving and praise about thanksgiving the holiday to our beneficent father who dwelleth in the heavens, calling the American people to also with humble patience for our national perseverance and disobedience, fervently implore the interposition of almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation. Both of these holidays, we talk a lot about Christmas, right? How Christmas has become this secularized thing where it's all about what do I get and what do I receive and Santa coming to give me presents. But I, I, I don't know if we talk about enough how secularized even Thanksgiving has become, right? We think we're doing enough. Uh, many families think we're doing enough sometimes if it's just let's sit around the table and say what we're thankful for. And that's not always a bad thing, but it's not good if we don't know who we're being thankful to on top of that. It's great to be thankful, but if you're just thankful to the universe or just thankful to, to, you know, to karma or to good feelings or good vibes, that, that's, that's not anything. It's just thankful for thankfulness sake, but, but who are we thankful to? The early foundation of these holidays, the early foundation of these things was built upon a fear and a love and a reverence for Almighty God and the things that he was doing and the way that he was sustaining us and taking care of us. And that's why I hope in this Thanksgiving season as we prepare to give thanks to God and to rejoice together that we can rejoice not just for what God's done but for who God is that we're rejoicing not for the good, just the good things that are happening in our lives, but for the one who chose to give those good things, the one who is over all of those good things. And that's our God. That's Almighty God. I'll be honest, when I started thinking about this message, the reason the title is what it is is because I got hit. Thinking about the Thanksgiving season, there was a song that we always used to sing as a family during Thanksgiving season. Maybe some of you will recognize it. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Right? I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. All right? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Everybody's getting into it. I don't know why I went into a hoedown mode there, but uh, either way, it's, it's all good. That song we used to sing all the time just growing up as kids. And I was just saying, Lord, I want to rejoice in this season. For all the things that you've done. And I'll be honest, this week, as I was preparing for this message even, there were some, 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 just some thoughts from my own flesh and from the enemy this week that are like, is this really what you want to do? Is this where you want to go? Like I was, I was studying for this week and I was preparing for the weeks ahead as well. And I was looking at the passages and I was saying, man, there's a lot of similar thoughts and themes and psalms of thanksgiving. Maybe this will be repetitive. Maybe I should just do one week on this and then do something else or maybe two weeks. And I thought to myself, in that moment, as I started praying about it, the first thought that just busted into my head is, is God saying to me, maybe that's because you need this repeated, Sam. Maybe because you need to hear how much you need to be thankful and how much in this season you need to be reminded of who I am 
and what I've done. So as we get into this for this morning in Psalm 100, the idea that I want us to focus on today is that we rejoice together in who God is and what he has done. We rejoice together in who God is and what he has done. And I want to do this, I want to start, because this is so, Psalm 100 is so short this morning, and I hope that's all big enough where you can see, and, and if your eyesight fails, you just mumble along. Um, but I want to I read Psalm 100 together. It's only five verses, and so it's up on the screen, or if you have an ESV translation, that's the translation, because if you go start reading your King James Version, it's not going to sound the same, okay? Um, but just read along with me as, as we prepare to do this passage today. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of the Lord. Amen. So I think this passage, even though it's only five verses, is, is pretty specifically kind of split up into two separate ideas here. And the first one is how we praise. How we praise. So there's a reason and how we praise the Lord. Okay, the, the psalmist lays out for us, the person who wrote this psalm lays out for how we are supposed to praise, what that looks like. And I think I want to just focus on three distinctives of that. He laid out more in this passage, but I think there are three that really stood out to me this week. And worship and praise and thanksgiving to God, we need to get out of the idea, as I try to remind us every week, that worship is just what we sing on Sunday morning. Worship is what we sing and when we sing on Sunday morning, but it's so much more than that. Worship ends up coming into many parts of our lives, into many of the things that we do. And we're going to see that from what the psalmist writes in this passage, is that worship is great, singing is great. That's actually one of the things we're going to touch on, but it is more than just my worship is just when I stand up and sing three songs and then sing, sit back down. Worship is a daily thing. It's a, it's a thing that we practice in more than just singing. And so how does this psalmist lay out for us how we praise? So I think he does three things for us. We make a joyful noise, we serve the Lord, and we bless with singing. Now, if this had happened, if this sermon had fallen on a different week before this one, I think I might have lumped in, as I think I've done before, make a joyful noise with singing. Because you see, the author of this passage makes distinction. In verse 1, he says both make a joyful noise and singing. But I've always heard, and I've probably been guilty of saying it before, is that we think that making a joyful noise is just singing, that those two things go hand in hand together sometimes. But if it hadn't been for this week, I think I, I give my kids all the credit for helping me try to understand that there's more that comes to making a joyful noise than singing. Because if you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you've been around kids, if you teach kids, if you interact with kids at any moment, you know what kids are great at? Making joyful noises, okay? At some point, we get joyful noises, like, pushed out of us somehow, okay? Like, for, for example, my kids, and the joyful noises are some of the best things about being around kids, all right? Georgie, our youngest, is going through a pretty tough season right now, okay? She's been a little bit, 
she really wants to talk so bad, and uh, she can't quite get the words yet, so it's just turned into all day going, eh, 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 okay? Come over to our house. You'll see. Come hang out for a while, okay? You're welcome. We'll be like, oh, you guys are here? Cool. We'll see you later. Uh, anyway, she, but she does this one thing in this season that is just like, it'll just hit you right in the heart. It warms you right up. Is any time Holland and I, Holland goes to the store or has to go pick up Sawyer or or any time that I go to work and come back, when you come back in the door, if she sees you, if she comes around the corner, if she looks down the, all, the, the aisle, all she does is she immediately just goes, and just runs with the biggest smile on her face. That's her way, that's her joyful noise of being like, whoa, you're home, I'm so excited to see you. If I could talk, I'd tell you all these things. You know, and she's just running down the hallway and it's just, that's, the, that's all the way she knows how to express the joy that she's feeling in her heart. Harper's gotten good at this too. Harper, Harper never stops talking. But she, this, this week, we, you know, we did the thing with our kids. Uh, came home early on Tuesday, and we took the kids out for trick-or-treating in Lombard because they had it from 3 to like 6. And so got home, got the kids dressed, and took them out for trick-or-treating. And we're going from house to house, and as the candy gets more and more and the bags get heavier and heavier, we're about halfway through when all of a sudden, any time we go from a house and we would go to another one, we had to kind of inspect down the way because some houses had candy, some were shut down, you know, maybe they had their own kids out or things like that. So we'd look and we'd see, be like, oh, Harper, that house has candy over there. And she started halfway through for some reason. I have no idea where she picked this up. But the way that she was expressing the joy in her heart was to go, oh, yeah, baby. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know, baby. <laughs> Maybe that's Holland and I's joyful noise and she just picked it up. I don't know. But she just sees this house and has this, sees the candy there and is like, oh, yeah, baby, we're going to get more candy, right? Because that's what kids know and that's how they know how to do these things well is to, they know how to make a joyful noise. And oftentimes, now I'm not advocating for that you need to go home and, and find ways to screech and yell when you feel happy in your own life, okay? But but what I am saying is that idea of the spontaneous praise, the spontaneous expression of the joy that you're feeling. Oftentimes, of course, if you've been a Christian for a while or, or you've been walking with Jesus, I'm, heard you've, I'm sure you've heard somebody tell you, you need to be thankful. You know, you need to give thanks to God. We need to praise him. That's part of our prayer. That's part of the way we worship is giving praise to God. Oftentimes, we just build it in to everything else that we do. And it's oriented and it's regimented. And then, you know what we need to be better at? I know what I need to be better at is sometimes when you are just overcome with the Lord, when you're overcome with the joy that he's giving you, sometimes you need more spontaneous moments of joy. Spontaneous moments of just saying, this is awesome and this is beautiful and thank you, Jesus. Right here and now, wherever I am. I'm in the grocery store, I'm in my car, I'm in my house, I'm doing dishes, and I'm overcome with the joy of the Lord or with the love of Jesus Christ, and I need to be better about saying in that moment, just making a joyful noise to the Lord. Because we are, church, in the same way that we watch kids and we see them do this, do you understand that you're still the children of God? And he still wants to hear from his kids. He wants to hear you say when you're experiencing joy, when you're experiencing the happiness and the joy that God gives. And that takes work. It takes work to say that I need to be aware more of the moments when I am experiencing joy 
when I'm experiencing the joy of the Lord, you need to make an, cognizant of yourself and make sure you're aware of that when those things are happening. Because the more we're aware of it, the better we'll be at in those moments just saying, I'm going to stop right now and just thank the Lord and make a joyful noise to him. And that doesn't always have to fit into, okay, I sit down now, I'm doing my devotions, thank you, Jesus, for this food, thank you for all you've done for me, amen. Sometimes it can just be as simple as, this is incredible. Thank you, Lord, that I get to do X, Y, and Z. Thank you that I have the privilege for this. Thank you that you've blessed me with this. The spontaneous act of just making a joyful noise to the Lord. I have stuff to learn from my own kids when it comes to that. The second thing he says how we praise the Lord is we serve the Lord. We serve the Lord. It says in that second part, in that first part of verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Part of the way that we express our praise to God is not just with our words, but it's also with our actions. It's with the things that we do. We praise the Lord with the things that we do when we operate in the way that we were created in. Did you know that, that the Bible tells you what you were created for? In Ephesians 2, it tells you that you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared for her beforehand for us to do. When we operate in the way that we were created to operate, that is a way that we praise God. When you serve the Lord, church, you are giving praise back to God. There are so many important things. Do you understand when you serve, how often those things aren't just about you filling a need or doing something for the church because we ask you to or doing something for your family because you're asked to, but that is ultimately about giving praise back to God. When you come and you cook hot dogs for a trunk or treat, when you come and you clean the church, when you come and you take care of something at, at the house that you were asked to take care of, when you serve and when you serve God, you are giving praise back to him. And we're told that this is good for us, right? In Acts, Paul talks about how Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But yet we, oh my goodness, have we flipped that in our culture. We think it's so much more blessed to receive than it is to give. But when we don't give, we're robbing ourselves of something good that Jesus has told us is good. And we're actually denying praise from the Lord by not giving in the ways that we should. I read in my devotions this morning, I was in 1 Corinthians, and it was talking about spiritual gifts, specifically talking about tongues and prophecy and, and focusing on the spiritual gifts. And one of the lines that stood out to me this morning that made me think not just of the spiritual gifts, but also how we use those gifts and how we serve is that Paul tells the church to strive to excel in the gifts for the edification of the church. So the things that you have, the things that you've been given, the way you use them to praise God is to seek to build up the other people that are in this building. It's to seek to serve the other people that are here, to edify one another, to build one another up. To serve the Lord is to praise the Lord. To serve the Lord is to give praise and thankfulness and joy to God. But not just that, there's a, there's a caveat to that. Serve the Lord with gladness. The heart attitude, the attitude that you have when you're serving matters. Just like with anything, right? None of us 
want to do something where we feel like we don't want to ask somebody to do something or, or ask. So I don't, I don't ever, it, it's hard sometimes to ask people to help or to serve because you don't ever want to feel like you're asking someone to do something that they don't want to do, right? It's not fun. It's not a fun thing to be like, oh, I'm asking someone to, to drag their, f- and they're going to become like, oh, I don't really want to do this, but he asked me to, and so I have to do it. Nobody wants that attitude when serving. Nobody, so why do we think that that's what the Lord is asking or desiring of us? I had to check my own heart. It was a couple weeks ago that I just, there was a, a thing that I know the Lord is asking me to do a way that I was supposed to serve, and I just did not want to. I had a grumbling spirit. I had a complaining heart. I did not want to serve in this way. Actually, so much didn't want to do it that it affected. I was like, like dreading it in the week coming up, knowing that this day was coming where I had to do this thing was just making me dread it. And you know what? The time came, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was incredible. It was such a sweet time. It was so much better. Was it? Did it make it easy? No. But there were so many more sweet and awesome moments in it than I ever imagined that there could be. Because in that moment, God is like, Sam, don't you see what blessing there is in serving? And how in that serving, if we do it with a heart of gladness and thankfulness to God, that that gives glory and praise to him. So how we serve the Lord gives praise to God, gives praise back to him. And then the final thing he says at the end of verse 2, come into his presence with singing. I had to touch on this one because even though it's the most obvious one to all of us, if you ask any, you know, any Christian for the most part, how do we worship the Lord? The first thing that comes to their mind is singing, right? It's just natural because we've equated, we, we actually use the term in you know, churches. It would be weird if you looked at a church and you came and said, this is our singing pastor, right? No one's ever heard that before, right? It's always, this is our worship pastor. This is the guy who's in charge of worship because sometimes we equate those two things together. And singing definitely is worship. It's the most common one you see throughout the scriptures. You see the Israelites, you see the people of God constantly using songs and psalms to give praise back to God, to give him the glory that he's due. So we know, we know that even the angels and the people in heaven sing praise and worship to God. So it does, it matters. We need to know, blessed with singing, we know that that is important. And that's why, because it's the most important thing, because it it matters so much, because it's such a big thing, what we sing, the songs that we sing, matter. I'm so thankful that we have, well, one, one man who handles it more than maybe others, but I'm glad we have him and we have a team of people in our church who really care about the songs that we sing. They don't just slap together, hey, here's the three most popular songs for this week and let's sing them. And no, they, they, they truly think about and pray about what does God have for our church to sing this week? Because what we sing, how we sing matters. The words that we sing, the things that we say in the songs matter. There are songs, I'm not going to name or call things out, but there are songs that I know that are, that are popular that, that Holland will show to me or things like that, that, that I hear the lyrics to some of these things and I think to myself, I, I, we will never sing that because it, it, it offers no value it, or, or the lyrics say things that aren't true or they don't line up with scripture. If there's not truth contained in them, I don't care how good the beat is or the melody is or how cool it sounds when a choir sing behind it. 
It's not just how good the song sounds, it's what the song says that matters. What we say when we worship matters. And singing is so powerful because depending on the beats or the melody or the notes or the way that you say it or the way that you structure it, it can evoke emotion out of people. It can bring people to emotion. It can bring them to, you know, to joy or to gladness. One of the things that was so, was so like surprising to me that we, we did a few months ago is our kids did a, did a worksheet about the church or about, I can't remember specifically what the time, but they, they had to write down their favorite song that we sing. And they, they wrote down, I can't remember the name of the song, um, but it was this upbeat, happy, like, you know, it's the one where Nathaniel always tells us to dance, I think, or whatever. Um, <laughs> but that's what they love because that evokes out of them that happiness, that emotion, because that's what songs do to us. So it matters. We have to be careful about the things that we sing and what the words say and why they say them. You can see, like, there were people, especially Paul. Paul always comes to my mind as a man who took singing and worship seriously. In both Colossians and Ephesians, he tells and charges the people to make sure they're worshiping the Lord through songs and hymns and spiritual songs. He wants them to make sure that worship is a part of them as a church. And the thing that always strikes me about Paul is when him and Silas are in prison together in the book of Acts, they're imprisoned. They've just been put in jail for preaching the gospel. And it's the middle of the night. You know what it says they're doing in the middle of the night? Strapped down in jail in the middle of the night, it says that they are singing songs of worship and praise to God. Because Paul knew that whatever circumstance he found himself in, he was going to sing and praise and worship the Lord. We make a joyful noise, we serve the Lord, and we bless with singing. And then I think there's a second part to this, why we praise. Not just how we praise, but why are we praising? Why are we doing these things that we're doing? I think the author lays that out pretty clearly for us. We praise for three reasons. Because he is God. Because we are his. And because of his steadfast love. So if you look at verse 3, it says right there, it says, Know that the Lord he is God. We praise and worship God for the simple no-duh reason of because he is God. Sometimes that simple truth of do you know that the person that you're worshiping and praising, he is God. There is no other. There are no other gods. In Exodus, one of the, the commands, the first commands that he tells the people, you shall have no other gods before me. He is God and he is the only one. He's the only one worthy of praise. He's the only one worthy of worship. And we think to ourselves, yes, yeah, Sam, I get it. That, I, I do that. I, 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 I wouldn't, we wouldn't stand here and, and praise and you know, sing to a wooden idol or to a, you know, to a thing or to a created being. No, of course not. Of course we only sing praises to God, but that's where worship being a part of our everyday lives shows us oftentimes in our lives we worship things that aren't God. We do. Look at where you put your money towards. Look at what you spend your time on. If you spend more time, if you spend more of your resources and time and focus is spent more on 
other things, then you are worshiping that thing. I've talked to, I talked to a guy this week. This isn't to call anybody out. This guy wasn't a Christian. He was just a guy that I, that I met that I was trying to talk to about Jesus. And he could not stop talking to me about his fantasy football team. <laughs> and that's great. I'm glad he likes fantasy football. I'm glad he plays with his friends in a fantasy football league. We could not get to Jesus because he couldn't stop talking about fantasy football. And so I tried to use all my football knowledge from the recesses of wherever to try to try to try to you know make you know try to make a connection with this guy. But all I walked away from that thinking is this guy worships his fantasy football team. He thinks about what players he can drop and add. He thinks about when a guy has a bad game, it affects his mood. He's thinking about the money he can make from these leagues. And that's a silly example, but so much time and effort, oftentimes, church, we worship other things that aren't God. And the simple reminder we need to be reminded of is he is God. There is no other. That's why we praise him, because he is God. There is no other God. There is nothing else in our lives that is worthy of our worship other than God. The second reason why we praise him is because we are his. I love what 1 Peter 2.9 says. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. And Ephesians 1.4 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be home, holy and blameless before him. Do you understand that we belong? If you are a Christian, if you call yourself, you say, Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. He shed his blood for me on the cross. I believe that. That is my only hope of salvation. That is my only hope of being with him in heaven one day. That is the only reason that I am a part of the family of God. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a Christian, you were chosen by God. You are his people. That's amazing. That, that still gets me every time. That for some reason, God would choose me. That God would choose Sam Speck. Sinner, unworthy, that I am. God chose me anyway. And he chose you. He chose you to bring you out of darkness into marvelous light. He gives that choice to every person in this room. I don't know if everybody in here knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but did you know Jesus died on the cross for you? Because he wants to call you out of your sin and out of your brokenness, which you are unable to get, up, get out of on your own. And he wants to call you into a relationship with him. He wants to call you into eternity with him so that when you die one day, you can know that you are going to get to spend eternity with God forever and not eternity separated from him in hell forever. He wants to choose you. He wants you to be a part of his family. He chose us. And so we praise him because he chose us. Because he picked us up out of our brokenness and out of the sin of our lives and set us on solid ground and said, I love you and I died for you and I want a relationship with you. That reason alone should drive us to worship and praise him every single day.
because he loved us and gave up himself for us. And the final reason comes from the last verse of Psalm 100. In verse 5 it says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness is to all generations. That steadfast love of Jesus just jumped off the page to me this week. That Jesus Christ, I already told you, he loved you enough to die on the cross for you. And guess what? That love doesn't just stop there. It extends throughout the entirety of your life, throughout the entirety of your walk here on this earth. He loves you no matter what. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter how far from God you feel like you are, his love is still there. His love is still steadfast. It is still the same as it was yesterday, and it'll be the same today and forevermore is how much he loves you. And that does not change. That does not change because of the way you act or because of the things that you do. He still loves you. And he still wants a relationship with you. He still wants to be with you. There is nothing. I love in Romans 8 how it says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's not angels. There's not rulers. Death, life, nor things to come. Powers, height, or depth. Anything in all creation can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ that is in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that separates us from the love of God. His steadfast love, that's why we praise. Because he loves us and he still loves us and he continues to love us. That's why we give praise to God. Man, I hope you understand how much he loves you. How much he desires just to be with you. God's love for you is so much bigger or wider or greater than you could ever imagine. I'll never forget. It's a day I should have made a joyful noise to the Lord. I'll never forget being in Bible college. I still remember where I was walking and where I was walking to when I, I was standing outside the door to the cafeteria. And I was just, I don't remember what the lesson was about that day. I don't remember what class I went to or, or what. But I just remember the thought running through my head that says, Sam, on your worst day, God doesn't love you any less, and on your best day, he doesn't love you anymore. Do you understand that? His love for you does not change. Man, that just like hit me like a ton of bricks. That's what steadfast means. It's the same. It never changes. It doesn't go up and down. God is not a father that turns his back when you're doing bad things and then comes back around and says he loves you when you do good things. He's always right there. He can't love you any more or any less. His love for you is the same and it does not change. It is steadfast and it is perfect. No one, no, none of us can say the same in this room. No matter how much you love your kids, I, I think I love my kids as much as humanly possible. And anyone could love a thing and yet my love for them can so easily change. When Sawyer is swinging, you know, this may or may not have happened yesterday, I don't know, when Sawyer's swinging on the swing and he's trying to kick his crocs as high as they can and they fly off and right in my nose, Right? At that moment, my love just went boom, right in the tank <laughs> for like two seconds. I was like, it's okay, it's okay. You didn't mean to, you did not mean to, you did not mean to, I still love you, but man, that hurt, all right? That's what human love looks like. It sometimes goes down in a moment because you took a crock to the face. But the love of God does not change. It never changes. 
You could have your worst day. You could have been the most impatient, prideful, you know, unloving person. And God's love for you is the same because it's steadfast. And so we praise God for that steadfast love that never changes. He is God. We are his people. And his love is steadfast. I want us to do some practical things this week. One of those things is a very practical thing that we're doing in conjunction with Sublime Gracia, the Spanish church that meets after us in this building. It's take time to share a praise on the wall that's in the hallway. Denise and Yahira, the the admin from the Spanish church, built this beautiful wall out there that has paper and there's markers next to it. And in conjunction with the Spanish church, I just want us to fill that wall up with praises to the Lord. If you have something to give praise and thanks for to God, please write something down on there. Write something down. Encourage your kids to write something down. I know we've already got one kid up there because I saw I'm thankful for soccer, okay? So, I I mean, I know Roger loves soccer a lot, but I don't know if he's, you know. (laughs) But I want stuff like that to just cover that wall of just what you are thankful for, for what God has done for you because of who he is and because of what he's done. Write something down. And remember when you're writing it down that the Spanish church has to write too, so don't, you know, <laughs> I love my wife, okay? Like it's it, it just whatever comes to your mind, just, but write it down. Let's fill that wall up. And make intentional times this week to give thanks to God. If there's a prayer to pray, Lord, please give me a joyful and a thankful heart this week. Man, I, I read that, that, that verse in Acts, and I thought, God, whatever my circumstances is, help me to be like Paul. And if I'm in the prison, help me to still sing praises to your name. And if I'm on the mountaintop, help me to remember I didn't get myself there. And I can still sing and praise your name. And if there's a praise to repeat, Lord, thank you for choosing us, loving us, and being faithful to us. Because of, there's a reason why we praise, and it's because of who God is and what he has done for us. May we have that heart of thankfulness and praise to the Lord this week as we seek to live as his ambassadors and followers in this world, as we prepare for Thanksgiving, American one. Let's seek to have a thankful heart to the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Pathway Podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, would you do us a favor and follow our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify And please leave a review so we can know how we're doing. We would love to serve you in any way we can. And if you'd like more information about Pathway Community Church, you can visit our website, pathwaycommunity-elmhurst.org. We hope to hear from you. We love you guys. See you next time.